Hello, welcome to the CCMA podcast. I'm Tom Pryor alongside my co-host, Jade Christian. Today we're joined by a special multi-talented guest. It's Father Chase Hilgenbrink. And Father Chase, he's a former assistant chaplain at the St. John's Catholic Newman Center on the campus of the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, a massive university. And he's currently vocation director of recruitment for the Diocese of Peoria in Illinois. Father, before we talk about campus ministry, I want to start with your vocation story because I think a lot of college students would find it very exciting. You were a professional soccer player who retired early at a young age to discern a vocation to the priesthood. Tell us about that period of your life and what led to that life-changing decision. Sure, you know, it was one of those times in my life when I had uh, a true encounter with our Lord. And, and I think, you know, Benedict XVI says that best when he wrote in Deus Caritas Est, when he was just like, you know, Christianity is not about an ethical choice or a lofty ideal, but it's about an encounter with a person, with an event that gives your life a decisive direction. That's, I've held that, that quote with me because, and I only read it afterwards. I only read it, you know, when I was in seminary, but I think that's what happened to me. I know that's what happened to me. What happened was, you know, me having an encounter with the person of Jesus, I didn't know that was possible. So when that happens and you don't think that's possible, it's going to send your life in a decisive direction, right? And um, that didn't happen overnight. It, it came through the course of, of several years of recognizing that God had a plan for my life. You know, my entire life was about living out my dream. And that was, that was professional soccer. That was um, running this race of, of being important, of, of, of doing what I desire most in life and, and, and really where my talented, talents kind of lined up in this world. And, and who wouldn't want to be a professional athlete? You know, that, that was kind of everything to me. But then I realized, you know, um, that not only did I have a dream, but when I had this encounter with the Lord before the Blessed Sacrament um, and, and in the presence of God and asking big questions about my heart and, and being vulnerable with the Lord, I didn't know that that was like the way that we're meant to pray always. I just, I just found myself in that situation needing to pray that way. And when that happened, uh, what happened was I recognized that God had a dream for me. That's, that's mind blowing, right? When we, I, and I try to teach this to kids today. Um, and and I'm, when I say, you know, college kids, I'm not necessarily talking about kids, but I just gave a talk at the Catholic school yesterday. That's, and I tell them constantly, do you understand that God has a dream for you? Do you know what it means for God to have a dream for you? That in eternity, there is a plan for your life. And so that, that sent my life in a decisive direction. When I, when I actually realized that that could be real, uh, I had to consider it seriously, even though I ran for three years. And there's, there's, there's many stories to go along with that. I'm willing to, to share anything. But um, for, the, for the sake of this podcast, I'll say that um, over the course of time, the Lord started to, to win my heart and to recognize that, that his plans were not opposed to my goodness, to, 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 my, to my happiness, um, to the peace that I desired in my heart, to the satisfaction of life, to human flourishing that I desired. And there came a point when I actually trusted him, when I trusted him with my whole life. And that's, that's when we start to live out a vocation. When we say, Lord, I don't know exactly where this is going. And I can't foresee this for myself, but I trust you. And I got to the point where I said, I trust you more than professional soccer. I trust you more than even the desires of my heart. I trust you that you have a plan beyond what my dreams were prepared to live in this life. Because when we recognize that even our dreams don't fulfill us, then we know that there is a God who has a plan for us. The only other 
place to go is to despair, which is where our, our country, which is where our world is going right now. Sadly, kids are tending to despair because they're, they recognize the evil. When I have everything I want, I don't have anything. Yeah, that, that's a good place to be if we know the living God. If we know that, that he has a plan for me, then, then I have everything. I haven't lost anything. I'm, I, I say gladly and proudly today, my dreams do not fulfill me and they never have, they never will. Amen. Ooh. there it is father I like that aha moment where you realized that god's plan for me is so much better and so much more filling than my plan could ever be and there are probably a lot of college students right that right now maybe some student athletes who are juggling so many different things in their life all well, my sports my classes my social life i'm trying to keep in in you know from falling apart because everything's virtual how do they do that right now and discerning, okay, what's God's will for my life when all of a sudden they're being pulled in so many different directions? Well, the, the direct answer is I don't know because I didn't do it. <laughs> but looking back in hindsight now as, as a man who helps those same um, student athletes at times to discern God's will for the life and, and maybe what, what place he has in there. I think there's a fear. There's a fear for student athletes, especially, and it was the fear in my heart I can speak clearly about that, that, that if I get too deep into what the church asked me to do in college, like a Newman Center, or this priest who is like inviting me to have conversations with him about whatever it is, leadership or, 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 or vocation or whatever, it's going, to, it's going to take away some of my freedom from, from like being all in on my, my sport. You know, I, I went to college, I'll be quite honest with you, when I went to college, I, I realized that I... I wanted everything to be there. School, school quite literally was secondary for me. Um, and, and God and, and his church were there to support me. They were there to, to really uh, protect me, support me, make sure that I was going in the right direction. I didn't, I didn't want um, God or the church or a priest or a campus minister to lead my life. I wasn't, I wasn't willing to have that. I think there was a, a fear that if I get too involved, um, it'll take away something from my professionalism of my sport. And in order to be a professional, I'm going to have to be um, living that professional life even in college. And so I think there's certainly a fear. I, for instance, I, I refused to go on um, a college retreat until, until the spring of my senior year when I was, when I was out the door. Um, because I thought if I give them even an inch, they're going to ask for more. You know, that's, that's how our church does. Why do we have that reputation? <laughs> if you do anything for the church, you're in for life. Like we don't let you go. <laughs> There's such an imbalance. There's such an imbalance of, of those who work in the church, those who lead in the church, you know, and I, I know that's been talked about in this podcast many times. And, and so we, we do that to ourselves and we strike fear in other people that if I give anything, I give everything. Um, and so um, I think really, I would tell a student athlete today that in, in no way and in never in any circumstance can we divorce God and his church from my life. I, I can never do that. But I would say, what is the first step? What's the next step for you? What is it that you can give, right? And, and to have somebody there, like a campus minister that understands the life that they're living and says, listen, I, I, I get it. And what you're doing, you're, you're on a track of greatness. And the only thing that brought you here to this university perhaps was your sport. So I'm happy that you are here. I'm happy. Tell me how I can support you as an athlete and, and not just have you work for me, right? I'm, I'm not trying to get you to work for me. I'm not trying to get you to track every student on this campus to, into my presence, right? So that you can, you can be a part-time worker in, in my ministry. I'm actually here for you. What can I do for you, right? 
that that is how can I be of service to that student athlete and how can I how can I feed their life because if we do that then they'll be returned then that that athlete maybe someday as a professional will now be proclaiming the gospel when they have all kinds of time on their hand maybe they'll be the witness that we need maybe they'll come back to the university and help us in that ministry there's all kinds of, of solutions but I think first is what can I do for your life and, and let that student athlete then develop and, and see what he's capable of or what she's capable of of, of, of juggling but also of, of giving back. Right. Here, Father Chase, so I'm coming from Pensacola, Florida, University of West Florida, and here we have been um, surrounded by so many student athletes, and we, this past semester, I realized how many student athletes we have, because now, you know, COVID has you know, halted their practices and their games, and so I've seen them around. I'm just like, oh my goodness, there's so many students that are you know, are in this community that I don't see because of their busy schedules and their and their practices and um, all the time that they devote to their teammates and um, spending time with them. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm really living this right now. Um, getting getting my feet into how we can meet our student athletes, our students all together, but specifically our student athletes with their busy schedules. Like how I can meet them and serve them because. They are here um, and we are here to serve them too. It's just we might not see them all the time because they're you know up at 5 a.m. in the lift room with their teammates. Um, but how how can we as campus ministers begin that walk? You know, this is um, this might be a um, a challenge from other campus ministers who might not know that background of uh, being a student athlete. How can we campus ministers take that step first step into trying to figure out how how do we serve these student athletes and meeting them in their busy busyness and right you know um I, you know i hate to say to, to cater to them right and, and yeah. as if they're you know more special than your other students but if but if that is an area that you are able to devote time to that and, and i understand like a lot of campus ministries like you know what, I don't have time for athletes because I, ha I have to cater them so much because their schedules is, is, are so restrictive. You know, I, I have to worry about, and I, there's a lot of more low-hanging fruit than athletes, you know, and so I get it. But if, if you are wanting to, to engage athletes, there is going to have to be a, a little bit of, uh, of catering and saying, yeah, when are you free? When can I, how can I adjust my schedule to, to, to be a part of your life? And then finding out their true needs, right? And finding out what is it that, that, that really supports them. It's not likely that, that those student athletes um, are necessarily going to be free to come to everything else that, that you have, right? But how do I invest in them personally? How do, I, how do I walk with them personally? And I think by doing that, you'll gain an experience, a, a, a vision for going forward of serving a wider range of student athletes. And I don't wanna say too much here because on every university, it's, it's distinct. Um, it, it, the schedules are different. The, the needs are different. The intensity of, of those sports, of academics, of, of the ministry is different. Um, but most of all, I'll say this, in the, in, the, in the athlete world, there's a lot of people that are reaching out to yeah. them. And so they're, they're asking themselves in their heart, who do I trust? And so when you're coming at me and saying, hey, I want your time, I want your time, I want your time, is it, is it, is that some normal interaction or is this like extraordinary attention? Is this a fan, you know, who, who, who wants something? Is this, is this somebody who's trying to really has a, a hidden agenda that wants me to do something else? If you, if you want to get into a student athlete's life, 
the first thing you do is build trust, right? Because they're, they're getting pulled in a lot of directions and, and they want to know that they trust you. They want to know that you're normal. They want to know that you don't have a hidden agenda. They want to know that um, you're there because you, you do desire their spiritual well-being, which as a student athlete, most student athletes who are Catholic and, and who have grown up as, as, a, as a good Christian know that their, their spiritual strength is, is their core strength, right? And, and even though they may not go out of their way to live it, they're, they're willing to let a specialist come into their life and, and say, how can I add value to that? How can I build that up? Even though you're not able to live it like everybody else, let me, let me, let me walk with you, let me help you. But build that trust, show that you're trustworthy and, and you'll find that you'll, you'll have success getting into their lives. Yeah, I definitely think it's worth it. You know, it's worth, you know, taking that risk and um, just reaching out to them and building that trust. I absolutely think it's worth it. Even if it calls for campus ministers to kind of take a pause in their busy schedule and just recognize that, you know, we're here for more than just our busy schedules. You know, we can overlook this. We can, we can go after our students and build a relationship with them, build that trust. Yeah, they, they, they get no less than anybody else and maybe more so than the rest, you know? And so um, it's, it's definitely there for the taking. Father, you mentioned that every university is different, and, and that's certainly the case. Let's focus on your time at the University of Illinois now. It's, it's a massive university, and for some people who don't know, the Newman community there is one of the biggest in the Midwest, and in fact, in the entire country. Were there two or three aspects of working in that ministry that you thought, wow, this is making a profound impact on our students, and, and maybe if other universities could replicate it, maybe not to the size, but at least in in prayer and faithfully doing something that they might see a change on their campuses. Sure. And, you know, I think the, the simple things that we can say, because there are differences in, on all those campuses, because University of Illinois and, and St. John's Catholic Newman Center is, is, is so big, mm-hmm. um, you know, the things that we might all have in common is, is mission. And, and I think that honing in on that mission, we, had, we found out over the past couple of years that we had so many things going at one time that we were juggling that really it all came down to, are we actually living our mission? Are, are we giving too many opportunities that nobody knows what we're actually about? And, and are all things of equal value, right? Um, and so we, we actually went back to that mission and, and, and this, this is uh, of credit, especially of Father Robert Lampin, who is the current uh, head chaplain there, who has, who has great vision and, and was able to have the strength to say no to certain things, which is really hard, right? When, when things are actually going well, and you say, you know what, even though that's going well, we're gonna set that aside right now because five years down the road, we wanna be stronger in this area. And so this is a quick example. Pretty much anything that we did, we did pretty well. And, and, and in doing those things well, we had great participation. We noticed a couple of things. One was, was that, um, again, not, not all things are of equal value. So someone singing in the choir, or, or maybe being a sacristan at masses or being a lector at masses or playing on one of our intramural teams or going to our man lunch Monday or our women lunch Wednesday, like going to all those things is not the same as discipleship, right? Is not the same as being able to lead another one into faith. It's not the same as faith sharing amongst friends in small groups, right? So we, we honed in on, on our discipleship model, much with the help of Focus, who's who we've had on campus almost from the very start of Focus. Um, we've had these small groups, we've had this discipleship, we've had people, that's, that's the way that people grew the fastest 
also in our retreat communities. That's a small group. That's faith sharing. It's friendship together. They're growing the fastest. How can we combine those things around our mission so that we, have, that we complete our mission, which is to have lifelong disciples, not just to be faithful for four years while you're at the university or for two years once we get to know you, but for your, for your whole life long so that when you come back to marriage, to get married in that chapel, you're still living the faith, right? So how do we do that the best? That was the question we had to answer. How faithfully are we living our mission? And so that meant canceling some of our sporting events, canceling some of our Man Lunch Monday, Women Lunch Wednesday, canceling our theology on taps, canceling several of these things that were, that put the onus of responsibility heavily on campus ministers, priests, sisters, missionaries, to put the responsibility on us working our butts off so that we can actually provide these things with, with dare I say, little payoff, right? Um, that, that, that it was just an event that everybody got excited about and enjoyed, but we don't really see much fruit from it. They didn't go on retreat because they went to Theology on Tap. They didn't get involved in a small group and start to growing in their prayer life because they were at Man Lunch Monday. Because yeah. they played on one of our sports team, it didn't translate into a conversion of faith. So we honed in on what was most important. And maybe in, in, in time, those things will grow. But we've seen our small groups, our discipleship, our, our investment in, in, in students to not only grow substantially and almost double, but also it put the responsibility on the student, which is our actual goal, right? That they actually become leaders. The more that, the more that we as ministers, as priests, as sisters, lead everyone without allowing them to lead, we're hampering them from becoming the leaders that we actually want to make them. So we actually said, what do you want to do now? Like, if you want to start a sports team, now you start a sports team. If you want Man Lunch Monday to continue, why don't you do it? Right? Why don't you start it? Instead of me doing it, why don't you lead that? Why don't you get your friends together? I'll promote it, right? If you, if you want Theology on Tap to go, you want to get speakers down at the bar and have some beers and have people together and, and get some of those, those people that wouldn't come to anything else, why don't you organize that? Is that something that you're passionate about? You want to do food pantry? You do it. You know, you want to, you want to organize a, a mission trip? Why don't you do it? You know, um, and allowing them to take responsibility for leadership. So I know that I've, I've spoken a lot there, but I, I will say get back to mission, right? And hone in on the mission. What's actually producing the fruit that your mission statement says to making lifelong disciples. That was our mission statement, lifelong relationship with Jesus and his church. And, and secondly, what is actually building the leaders or, and what is hampering them from actually becoming the leaders that we're trying to make them for our future church? So well put, Father. There's, I think mission is so important because you're exactly right. Sometimes we get tied down by all of the commitments, the events, right? We hear campus ministry, we're not here to just put all of these events on that people come to. We're here to grow disciples and discipleship. And I think that's such a key component of, of building the future of our church, especially for St. John's Newman Center at Illinois. I mean, there is a residence hall where students live and grow in community. Now, a lot of other universities may not have that, uh, but what does that speak to the sense of the importance of community and students living with each other, going through life together, sharing those faith experiences so that they can disciple each other well, rather than kind of scatter them all across campus? Sure, you know, the, those, those experiences of, of living in a faith-based community um, is, it actually allows the person to, to live in a culture, right? And, 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 and as we say, like culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? That, that's, that's the most important thing. We, we, we need culture 
to actually take over. You can see how the news channels in our country, you can see how um, Netflix and movies and TV and ads and, and Super Bowl and everything else that's coming up is actually what is controlling culture, right? So what can we do to actually control the culture of our students to, to give them a culture of, of virtue and flourishing and, and living a lifelong discipleship? We are very fortunate at the University of Illinois, um, at St. John's Catholic Newman Center, I should say specifically, um, where, where we live a culture within a culture, right? The University of Illinois doesn't necessarily share the, cultures, uh, the culture of St. John's Catholic Newman Center, um, but we were on that campus and we're able to create our own culture that is, is of discipleship, is of Catholic value, of, of virtue, of tradition, and, and allows people to be successful, right? We notice, I'll, I'll give you just for instance, we notice that the moment that one of our students who desires that same community somewhere else, like a sorority or a fraternity, how fast they lose their way. That's not knocking on sororities or, or fraternities, but they're not necessarily virtue-based cultures that are looking out for the salvation of those who are there, right? So, so you see how, how much culture affects, and, and we are so fortunate um, to have that place where we, the, the students, they, they eat together in our dining hall. They live together on, on the dorm. They, they recreate together uh, in, in, in our exercise room or at the pool tables, or, or they, they socialize together all night long in our, in our dining halls or in our study spaces or in all those places. So literally they live life together. And really the only time that, that they're apart, other than times that they wanna be apart, is when they go to class, if they go to class, you know what I'm saying? So um, that's just part of the experience. And, and it's, it's so fortunate to, to be able to have a controlled culture that, that promotes their virtue, uh, their Catholic values, um, where it's not weird to be Catholic or, or to be, you know, reading scripture or reading faith-based books in front of others, where you can ask good questions about your faith, where you can grow um, and where you can seek sanctity. So beautiful. Father, I want to wrap up kind of this podcast and focus now on your role as that vocation director of recruitment for the diocese. So you transition away from the St. John Newman Center, but your role still deals with young people discerning vocations. Now, obviously, it can be a lot younger than college-aged students, but I'm just curious to see what your relationship is like with the various universities in the diocese, and should campus ministers be reaching out to vocation directors? Should there be that line of communication to help let these students know that, you know, just because you're a junior and you've declared this major doesn't mean your whole life is, is set out for you. And not even just a vocation to religious life, but married life as well, just to constantly be open to what God is calling you to do. What are those lines of communication for you in terms of the campuses in your diocese? I'm very fortunate to have, to have great lines of communication with all the campus ministers in our diocese. And, and we, have, we have several universities and colleges in our diocese, which is which is just a, a really cool thing. In fact, so much so that in the three months that I've been here as vocation director, I haven't even made it to all of them. So, um, <laughs> but I, I will say that um, we're very much in tune and that goes for the vocation director that, that went before me, Father Tim Hebner. He had, he had set up relationships with a lot of those places and made that part of his, his regular route throughout the week. Um, so I, being at, the, at, at St. John's Catholic Newman Center at Illinois, I have a discernment group that, that I was involved with when I was there. So it's just, it's just, it's stayed my group. So I go there every Thursday night and, and, and do discernment with young men. So it's, it's a natural fit. 
Um, there was already a group of men that gathers on Friday night at Illinois State University at John Paul II Catholic Newman Center. Um, so I now go there. I celebrate mass 5 p.m. every Friday night um, and take that responsibility away from that chaplain. And, and so, and then I also, you know, grab dinner with the guys and hang out for the evening, right? So there's, there's a natural growth there. I, I live in Peoria, which is where Bradley University is. And, and the campus minister there is my, my old vocation director when I was a seminarian. So it's an easy relationship, but I do the same thing. I help to cover masses for him. It gets me in front of the students. The, the students get to know me. Um, and, and I meet with them after masses or I get involved and I, I start to, to ask what way can I add value to your ministry. I think if you're, if you're talking to your vocation director, um, maybe think about that. What, what value could a vocation director add to my ministry? Um, because I'm, I'm thinking as a vocation director, I don't, I don't want to just show up and somewhere and be the awkward guy, right? I don't want to, I don't want to just insert myself and, and overstep my bounds when this is your place, right? I'm not going to tell you what you should be doing. So I'm not going to do that. So maybe ask yourself, what value could a vocation director add? Maybe he takes time off so my, my chaplain can, can get a little bit of a rest like one day a week, you know? Um, so he takes a mass. He takes some confessions. I'm happy to do those things because that's how I, I start to discern with people, right? Like that, that, that gives me the opportunity to discern and, and to dig into their spiritual life and to help them along the way. But um, don't presume that your vocation director doesn't want to be around. In fact, those are the calls that I love to receive. Right? When somebody says, I think I got something for you here, right? I think there's, I think there's some way that you could start affecting the men in our area, not, not only men, but, but especially the men um, that are here. And in fact, we may have some guys who might be open to discernment. And if your mission is to make lifelong disciples, you should be in contact with your location director, right? I agree 100%. Jade, any final words before we close out? I just want to say thank you for just sharing your, your witness and especially tying in your experience with campus ministry and your work with student athletes, but also this, you know, this, this message of go back to your mission with our ministries, um, stay true to that. And also ask the questions, ask the question, what is, you know, what is bringing life to our students? What is encouraging them to be, um, live this discipleship to, together? And I think um, we have a lot to learn from that. And we have a lot to learn from um, just the resources that, resources that we have in our diocese that are more than willing to pour into our students if we just open that door. Um, so thank you again so much. It's great to be with you, Jay and Tom. Thanks so much for having me. And um, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll pray for all of those Newman centers and especially the, the, the chaplains and, and uh, the campus ministers that are really wondering what's next. I think that's, that's just the question just to ask, take small steps and just say, what, what, what's the next step? What's the next yeah. step that we can do? And, and not to, not to make it too, too big of a deal, but um, find out what's the next step there and, and how we can affect the lives of these students and, and let them, let them tell you what, what kind of job you're doing that, that you can follow um, their needs and, and, and what they're desiring for, for future discipleship. Campus ministry may certainly look different this year, but obviously God's work is still at present on all of our campuses. So thank you, Father Chase, for being with us today. We appreciate the time. Thank you to my co-host, Jade, and for all of you following along. Uh, thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time on the CCMA Podcast.